Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your two usual hosts here. We've got Tom Mannering in Hello. the house. How are you doing? I am fine. How are you? Good, good. And yeah, myself, Josh Hartley. Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Um, packing is underway. Uh, I was saying just before we hit record there, it's going to be a little shorter episode this one, guys, uh, because I need to edit this uh, while I'm moving house. So uh, this is probably getting notes to... Um, editor josh uh keep going just just get it done like i mean you're on you're less than a minute into the footage so if you're thinking of quitting it now you don't do that why would you do that um and on that but, note uh let's bring today's uh episode to a close yeah <laughs> good job good job yeah uh, no uh this is probably getting edited on the train as i'm, <laughs> I'm heading down uh, south so I'm sure uh, that's what our listeners want, a blow-by-blow account of, of how you, you do the post-production and, uh, you know, a little pep talk from you to you. That's really, really bringing them in. I, I've never done a, we've never done a making of, uh, but it wouldn't be very interesting. That's probably just, why we've never done it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Moving on. What have you been up to, Tom? What have I been up to? Um, I'm trying to think. So, at the weekend, I saw you. Uh, yes, I was going to say I was at your house on Sunday, yeah, uh, so. so that was all right, I suppose. Uh, wow! <laughs> wow! No, so so on Sunday, uh, you came over to uh, my abode, uh, and we played some Magic: The Gathering. Yeah, we were going to have Ryan join us as well, so that we could get some uh, three-player commander on the go, but uh, sadly, he could not make it. No, but I mean, we did. We got a couple of uh, normal games in. They did not go well, and I got very angry. Uh, and uh, right, so I'm it, this. I'm gonna blame this on me, but not because of my play style, because that's just the game. Uh, okay. It's this is. Um, I I basically brought a gun to a knife fight. Um, I did not appreciate because we were using pre-constructed decks mm-hmm. right and i was using the goblins from murfolk versus goblins and you were using teferi deck yeah um but it's like one of the old intro decks which uh, if if you've been playing magic gathering and if you remember those are not very good <laughs> so it's okay i mean it's not it's not amazing but it's functional but mm. the the criticism i leveled at you and i do stand by it is that you basically just beat me down like you wouldn't let me have anything like i was like oh i've got a toy i can play with and you like took it out of my hands and smashed it on the ground (laughs) through the shards of it into my eyes like that's that's where we kind of sat that's how it felt that is that is very much how it felt and and yeah there is certainly an argument to be made that you know you're just playing the game and and you were just playing the game you're just playing it in a a very brutally efficient no fun for you uh kind of way however that being said um outside of that we did then play a couple of 1v1 commander games which i enjoyed a lot more largely because i won them (laughs) but no i did enjoy them a lot more and and they were 
They were uh, so we were using the precon commander decks for adventures in the Forgotten Realms, yeah. and um, so that made for a better experience. One because they are designed to be played against each other, so the mm. deck construction in general is a lot more balanced. Yeah. Uh, but two, we, both of our decks were doing pretty sweet things as well. You got the um, Esper Dungeoneering deck, basically. Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it, um, which cares a lot about the graveyard and getting value from that which mm -hmm. was uh, pretty fun to see pop off um and i was playing the bant um equipment and auras deck so i was um is voltroning uh, is the the term i was uh, trying to suit up my commander or any other creature for that matter as much as possible to yeah. to beat face like um, i think I, I i was really scared of your deck um when i saw what your commander could do and, and i i thought at, at, at the opening, I thought your commander was a lot stronger than mine, uh, both statistically and ability-wise. Um, and I think your first game, you were just very unlucky. You didn't get your third color that you needed, uh, which really kind of hampered your ability to do anything. Yeah, I mean, we can we can call it luck. I probably I, I probably kept a hand that I shouldn't have kept. Mm. Like, so it's a bad decision on my part. But it wasn't like it, it wasn't an unkeepable hand. It was just lacking in. <laughs> Colors. Yes, and I mean the the second game you were you were beating me down for for the first mm. half of it, and then I got very lucky and I pulled uh, a card that gave me control of one of your uh, characters, which I then used to destroy one of your other characters, and and I just built up momentum. But the thing I said to you during the game was that it it actually got tricky with that deck to keep track of everything that was triggering, and at a point yeah. you were like. Don't forget to trigger that. Yeah, don't forget happens, to trigger that. Happens, that happens. That happens. I had like, if I attacked, I had like three things that triggered, and then if I took something from the graveyard, I had like three or four things that triggered, and it was, it was trying to kind of keep tra track of of how many things were triggering. But it it is a really cool deck, and and both of them are. I mean, yours was terrifying. You know the the, the way you pulled equipment out so quickly, and and enchantments, and just you turn things into beasts. Mm -hmm. Um metaphorically speaking um yeah really really good really yeah um so i'm gonna like I'm, I'm gonna leave the deck be for a while just have this as a because i i i'm quite what what gets called a spiky player um i do like to tune things and be like competitive with mm. magic the gathering so i would yeah i the temptation is there to take the deck and just go right let's Let's put the real nasty stuff in. But um, no, I will leave it be for now so that I have something that I can go, right, here's a, here's a pre-constructed deck. This is, uh, if, if, you, if you follow any um, content creators that talk about the commander format for Magic the Gathering, they talk a lot about power level. Uh, so th these, are, these decks are typically like a five or a six out of 10. Right. Um, so it means I've got something there that I know will play nice with everyone else at the table. It's not going to be either so underpowered that I couldn't possibly keep up, but not overpowered. Whereas if someone someone brought their first commander deck, that I'm just going to be slapping them about either. Yeah. So that makes um, sense. Yeah. I think um, it's a really good set, though. Um, I, I've I've really enjoyed the Forgotten Realms set. What I've seen of it and played of it so far. 
mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm quite glad it's it's got me back into it. And just before we go off of talking about magic, I've had a bit of a change of heart about something as well. So okay. previously on this this very show, uh, I said that I thought putting Lord of the Rings and 40k into magic sets was a bad idea. The universe is beyond <gasps> thing they're doing. I am going to retract that to a degree. Okay. Uh, that I, th- having seen how well this Forgotten Realms set has, has integrated, at least for the Lord of the Rings one especially, and and maybe even to a degree the 40k one, uh, I'm being a bit more open-minded about them than I, I previously have been. Okay. So that's okay. that's, that's my progress. my position that's shift. Progress, yeah, yeah. Um, they they have done a, a fantastic job of this set uh, in terms of tying in the flavor. I think I said like I said to you, it's not just the flavor of the Forgotten Realms, but the flavor of playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, uh, that and you know getting dice rolling mechanics and stuff like that. It, it's it's great. So gives me a bit more, like you say, I I agree with you. It gives me a bit more faith with how they're going to treat some of these other IPs. Yeah. What there's a rumor going around which I think will be great uh, a great way of sort of making the 40k uh, products less jarring Uh, they have uh, registered two domain names Uh, I can't remember the the, um, other domain name but Wizards of the Coast have registered it is Kamigawa Neon Dynasty dot com now Kamigawa is uh, a notorious set from years ago. Notorious because it was rubbish. It was very underpowered. But it's a shame because flavor-wise, it was awesome. This was Kamigawa is the plane that is inspired by uh, Japanese mythology. So it was filled with samurai, ninjas, uh, spirits, that uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what a lot of people are speculating with that name, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, is that not only are we going to return to Kamigawa, but we are going to return to a Kamigawa that is far in the future from where we'd seen it. Right. So a sort of cyberpunk um, style. So maybe taking taking uh, inspiration from the likes of you know Akira mm. and, and other like Japanese anime. Now, so, oh, sorry, on you go. So what 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 kind of pushed me over the edge was I was I was reading up a little bit on on this magic article and it ties into what you're saying there because I I'd, I'd kind of said you know it's ridiculous having space marines and Aragorn and and all this lot rocking around together mm-hmm. uh, and I still I still hold to that to a degree I, and it is a bit ridiculous but what's kind of pointed the the finger back at me if you will is with magic specific cards without going anywhere outside of the the magic law. There's a quote from one of the the people involved in in Magic that's like, in the current lineup of cards, you can have a Greek god, uh, a mummy, two squirrels, and um, uh, something like a zombie wielding a katana, driving around in a car together. And I was like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's a thing you can do. Fair (laughs) enough. That that, kind of gives me a bit of perspective on on the point I'm making about, you know, oh, it's ridiculous. Well, it's already kind of ridiculous if you uh, if you want it to be. So uh, I think that that's really cool. Like if, if they go down that route and do a, a kind of Japanese cyberpunk thing, um, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So watch this space, guys. And before we move off Magic the Gathering, I just want to quickly shout out. I was uh, last night, 
I'm doing like a because I'm moving at the weekend. I'm doing a lot of like catching up with people in Glasgow before I leave. I once said catch up with some of the guys from uh, Geekaboo, and uh, we drafted. Um, there was six of us drafting Modern Horizons two. I actually treat myself to a box of booster packs of this earlier in the month. So we've drafted half of the packs. And all I have to say is it is super fun. I love the format. I love the format. And uh, I really want to draft more. <laughs> so I'll, uh, I'll see who I can uh, conscript into that back home. I think Carlisle um, has a, a decent magic community. At least it did where I live there. I don't know if it's. I uh, a few of my friends from uh, school. Uh, I I got into playing Magic: The Gathering. I'll be uh, initially with drafting. This was around when Cards of Tarkir came out. Mm -hmm. um, so shouts out to Chris, Dan, uh, and the other guys <laughs> down there. So I might I, I might give them a shout and see if they'd be up for drafting this mental set with me. Um, I don't know how long it's been since they last played, though, and it is, it is an intense set. I think okay. I'll, I'll say that. But uh, I, I got I, I got some bloody valuable cards. I got two fetch lands in there. I've got uh, a few cards that I've been after as well. So that that's always nice icing on the cake. Um, cool. It would be remiss of me as well not to thank you on air for your leaving present for me as well. Oh, it's uh, fine. Don't need to thanks for that. Well, he, he, Tom Tom gave me a copy of Land Tax, which is a card I've actually been after for absolutely ages, and uh, it's uh, it's pretty expensive for a piece of cardboard. So uh, I, I really appreciated that. You're very welcome, bud. Uh, on on to your question from back at the beginning. Aside from seeing you and playing, oh, yeah, Magic, damn. <laughs> uh, it's, it's old. This old memory still has a bit mm. of go in it. Um, I have not done a great deal. I, I've had a very busy day today. Um, right. It's been a bit manic. I was at the the hospital this morning. Nothing, nothing major. Just a, a wee checkup. Regular uh, checkup. Yeah. I went to uh, I went to view a flat, uh, which I just want to have a, a little not a rant about, but a little oh, grumble let's about. Hear it. Right? Was it was it bad? How it bad? wasn't. Uh, it How wasn't bad? bad. Bad. It wasn't like oh my god, this is a nightmare. But I went right. to it. So it's not far from me. It's about 20 minutes down the main mm -hmm. road outside of my flat. And part of this is on me, to be fair, because I didn't really look at the flat like location-wise or anything before I went to okay. it, which I would normally do, but I've been a bit busy and it, it kind of slipped my mind. So I got down to it. Now, in the advert for this flat, it said third floor flat. Now, just, just to preface that, I won't live on a ground floor because your risk of burglary is a lot higher. You're risk of people peeping in your windows a lot higher um, just uh, fyi tom works in the insurance industry he does. <laughs> uh your risk of suffering from like escape of waters and things like that from the people that are above you also a lot higher so i won't ever live in a in a ground floor flat i'm not dissing anyone that does it's just my personal choice so this this advert for this flat said third floor i got there and the guy's like yeah press uh zero three and i'm like Right, I really hope that's like the zeroth flat on the third floor, which wouldn't exist. So, uh, <laughs> that's the main selling point of the flat. It's in a parallel dimension. Yeah, so it's, I, I go, it's in a pocket plane. <laughs> yeah, I go in and Cthulhu's there, and you know it really brings the property value down. Uh, so I I go in now. Right, it's ground floor. Okay, it's not ideal, but I'll I'll give it a look around. Mm. So I go through the flat and and 
as I'd come to the flat, I'd come from like a different angle. And as I right. get into the flat, I can hear traffic. And I mean like hear traffic. Not like distant, like there's a car right. in the living room level of traffic. So like I right. go into the living room and it backs onto uh, an A road. Right. Oh. And I go to the two bedrooms and both of them back onto the A road. So it's on a ground floor, it backs onto an A road. So at this point I'm like, this is pretty much a no-go. But I'll go and I'll finish my look around anyway. So going to the kitchen. Now bear in mind, this is on the market right now to be rented right now, right? You can How much? Move How in much? tomorrow. It's like uh, 650 a month. Yeah. So as if that wasn't enough of a turn off, right? So I go into mm-hmm. the kitchen and I'm like looking around. And I, again, because I work in insurance, I always look at like ceilings and things. Yeah. And I look at the ceiling and I'm like, oh, there's a bit of like a seam there. It looks like there's been a previous escape of water. And I follow this seam across the kitchen and like a good third of the back of the kitchen is still water damaged, like brown water damage with the paint peeled off. And I'm like, why? And it's quite a nice flat with the exception of that. And I'm like, why have you put this on the market when there's blatant water damage that even like the casualest of glances up in the corner of the kitchen is going to clock going to clock so i went outside and <laughs> the letting agent was like that was quick i said yeah i've seen all i need to see and <laughs> just, just wow nice <laughs> so, 650 a month for, for that yeah Jeez, oh. yeah so uh, and it is a good location with the exception of being next to an a road yeah. you know it's, it's quite a central i mean of course you're quite central you're you're not that far from a bloody motorway uh (laughs) so you know it's not it's not too bad in that regard but yeah i was like i I was walking back and i actually saw the funny side of it to be honest i was like that's just it's just ridiculous kind of thing um but yeah that's not going to be one i'll be uh i'll be renting can i can i be the annoying person who uh has a a a story from way back when uh, that's a worse example a story topper of course you can be a story topper mate uh, when I first, it's I'll, I'll I'll make this brief. When when I first moved up to Glasgow, like back in 2012, I had no idea what those sort of neighbourhoods were like. So I uh, randomly picked some flats that were in a neighbourhood called Govan Hill. Now, uh, for those people, yeah, Tom's just pulled a face on the webcam. Now, people who are not familiar with Glasgow, like I was, didn't know, but Govan Hill is one of the roughest areas of the city, unfortunately. Um, and this particular, this particular flat that I viewed, the estate agent says to me, I'm not going to lie, this one's pretty bad. <laughs> Was that like their opening comment? Yeah. Uh, oh. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll bullet point it. Um, the, there wasn't a door. Uh, like a front was, door? No. No, as in, like, the door to the flat was on its... Like, it was off its hinges. Um, And uh, there was a hole in the wall, and there was straw on the floor. Why why is there straw on the floor? No one knows. Like, why? Why? Was it added in by a horse beforehand? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, It is interesting what is out there. I just... I don't understand it. Like, and... uh, uh, obviously i'm not an estate agent i'm not a landlord so i i can't really comment but if i were an estate agent and someone came to me and said i want you to rent my property if i went out there and you know there was well there was a door hanging off the hinge or mm. you know blatant water damage i'd be like we're gonna need to resolve that first 
well, then let's look at it, renting it. They, they can only advise said landlord what to do. It's it's their call at the end of the day. And if the landlord yeah. is tight and doesn't want to spend any money on it, then they might just think, well, someone's going to be desperate enough to get it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen people living in some pretty uh, ropey flats, yeah. and I'm like. I have no idea why you accepted this. But. I I had a so we're getting a bit off track, so I'll keep this quick because I know you want a short episode. But when I well, first... I'm giving up, I'm giving up on the short episode. We're 20 minutes in, man. <laughs> <laughs> like we haven't even got to any news articles. But... When I when I first moved back up to Glasgow or I moved back up to Paisley, I desperately needed a flat. Like I, mm-hmm. I had nowhere to live, and I was starting work, and I didn't have a flat or anything. So I was staying on a, on the floor at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just went out to a, a letting agent, and I was I basically was quite honest with them. And I went, I've got very limited funds for a deposit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need a flat, one bedroom, nothing fancy, just something to stay in for six months. Uh, and they're like, we've got just the one for you. And this flat was pretty rough. It was okay. it was it was functional, uh, yeah. but it was it was pretty rough. It hadn't had a lot of TLC, uh, and I got it really cheap. And I got in like the day after I, I went to that letting agent. So it was all nice. very, very quick. Uh, but I paid peanuts for it while I stayed. I actually stayed there longer because of how little I paid for it and because I actually did a bit to like spruce it up. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I was I was in the shower one day in that flat and I got out of the shower and I went into my bedroom and I just heard this horrible wet thud. And I went back into the bathroom and the shower tray had fallen through the floor into the flat below. Like, with oh all, the, my God. all the problems that come with it. So I'm stood, like, in a towel, like, looking down this hall, <laughs> watching water just kind of pissing down into it. And there was this student girl who lived below me who was, was probably equally desperate kind of walked through, still had her headphones on because I think she was listening to music, and kind of looked up at me and I was like, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, my God. The, 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 the positive with renting, though, is you can just go, right, well, landlord, yeah, yeah, pretty much. this needs fixed. And they came back out and I said, look, I need a shower unit. You know, there's literally no floor in my shower unit. And they came out and they fixed it in like two days, which is quite good to say. That's, that's new, really good, actually. New ceiling, new plumbing, new flooring, and new shower unit. But the it's guy must that have... happened in the first place. Yeah, the guy <laughs> must have done it on the cheap, though, like despite that, because the shower unit they put in, so it's one of these kind of old-school Glasgow bathrooms where the bathroom's like literally like a metre and a, a half wide, mm. and it's all long-designed. Yeah. And so you had like you had the, the toilet at the far end of the the bathroom and then you had the shower unit on the left mm-hmm. and the kitchen and the basin on the left not the kitchen on the left that would be really small uh yes. and so they, they'd gone in and they did not put an appropriately sized shower unit in they put a shower unit in that was about one and a half times the size of the original one so to wow. get to the toilet you had to turn sideways on and shuffle along the wall to get to the toilet and if you sat on the toilet you couldn't put your legs straight forward you had to like sit at kind of a 45 degree angle oh my it, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was rough it was a really nice shower unit uh other than that you know very spacious uh it was very very comfortable to shower yeah, sh- the, sh- the shower was nice and comfy yeah. shame about the toilet but yeah just you know everything else was was problematic so yeah anyway that's a, a slight uh detraction from 
from talking about board games and things. Games, uh, yeah, that's yeah. what we do. That's <laughs> just some um, horror stories for any of you thinking about renting out there. I mean, uh, I will, uh, with with the exception of uh, uh, paying my brother Dig's money, I am I am never going back to renting ever. <laughs> I will be responsible for my own property. Thank you very much. Don't blame you, mate. So the other thing, I haven't done it yet, but I will be doing it after recording this. So we're we're recording on Tuesday, so obviously you've mm-hmm. got time for packing and things. So I'm doing uh, a session of my high-level Pathfinder after this recording. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so I'm doing uh, Ages End, and we're up to like the last maybe four, five, six episodes tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's tense. It's a uh, high-level Pathfinder, which is uh, you know challenging in its own right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's that kind of bittersweet march to the end. Oh. How um, So you, you say that, that there's about five or six sessions left in it. Maximum. Has there been much chat about what's happening with these characters and this arc after? So still- there hasn't been a lot. It's, it's kind of accepted that this is probably going to be the end of, of the campaign. Um, mm-hmm the characters will will continue in the crossovers that we do as and when they get back off the ground we were hoping to do on this year but it's been postponed because i have to move um so yeah i'll allow it thanks uh so (laughs) we've uh we'll revisit these characters in the crossover uh beyond that i i don't know if we'll come back to maybe you know for some sort of special or one-off uh at some Mm -hmm. point but High-level Pathfinder presents its own challenges. And, you know, the higher you get, the more challenging that gets. Um, after this, I think we're going to have... One of the players is going to run a uh, a brief arc of a Star Wars game, which will be a nice little break for me to, oh, yeah, neat. to get to play some Star Wars. Uh, and then the plan after that is probably going to be... I'll go to running the Cthulhu game that's been on indefinite hiatus... Uh, in the Tuesday mm-hmm. night slot, but I need to figure out the logistics behind that. Uh, so there's stuff stuff going on. The the session will definitely continue in in one yeah. format because it's so difficult as an adult adult to schedule games. When you do get people that that commit to a schedule, especially as a GM, you become very precious about it. Yeah, because no, I get that. You know, you know yourself from from having played in, in a couple of games, you know, scheduling is a nightmare at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting that consistent commit from people is uh, an uphill battle, <laughs> to say the least. So once you've got that, you know, you, you hold on to it for dear life uh, if you've got any smarts. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, we'll I'll look forward to hearing further from that. Shall we hop on and uh, talk some news stuff? We've got sure. a big news article came out uh, to just today, the 27th of July. Um, the good times keep rolling for Games Workshop, it, so it seems. Uh, this was reported, I'm going to quote my sources correctly, this was uh, reported in The Guardian, although I dare say it will be in other news outlets. Uh, but um, Games Workshop has uh, released some uh, financial information. Uh, they are con- not only have they been doing well; they have been doing so well that they have uh, they have awarded all of their shop workers, model makers, designers, and support staff a five thousand pound bonus. Um, 
which is great. <laughs> um, we know a couple of people who work in Games Workshop as well, so I dare say I haven't, I haven't caught up with any of them yet, but I dare say they're very, very happy. Yeah, I imagine they will be. And I, I think this is, you know, it's just a further example, and we've mentioned this before on the on the podcast, that Games Workshop has, has dealt with their employees very well over the last mm. sort of 18 months through through lockdown uh, and beyond. You know, they've, they've had a couple of bonuses. You know, they paid uh, their full wages when they were... Mm-hmm. Um, what's that word where they weren't furloughed. working? Furloughed. Furloughed, thank you. Uh, when they were furloughed uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, a few other uh, bits and bobs where we've seen them behave in, in quite commendable ways. And, and I think this is uh, the icing on the cake, really. Uh, you know, it's not often I sit here and call out Games Workshop for, for being awesome, but can't argue with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just to really hammer home, like, um, how well things are going for them, uh, the, the article later quotes, uh, they are worth more on the UK stock exchange than Marks and Spencer at the moment, which is like uh, American listeners. And I know that we've got a few American listeners might not know, but Marks and Spencer is a very old, very well established uh, department store. Uh, throughout the UK. department store and supermarket throughout the UK. Yeah, it's kind of a, a middle class department store historically, and that's what it's yeah. kind of known for. Do you think Games Workshop will start doing their own version of the M&S adverts? You know, with the sexy voice. This isn't just a miniature. This is a Games Workshop Primaris Space Marine. <laughs> GW, I mean, if you're listening. Talk. Let's talk. I can do that for you. I have a lot of respect for you, Josh. Contrary to, to what I say on this uh, podcast, quite a lot, but you do not have a sexy voice. <laughs> wow! Oh my god! Just hit, hit me where it hurts, man. Hit me where it hurts. Um, funnily enough, this was interesting because it also talks about, and I wasn't aware this was something they were considering in Japan. They are looking to open uh, Warhammer cafes. Okay. So I'm assuming that's going to be modelled somewhat like Warhammer World and Bugman's Bar mm. uh, in Nottingham. Um, Maybe. Why did Japan get that? I would love that. Like, go go get a game of Warhammer, have a few pints. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah, it just sounds quite nice. I remember when I when I went for my training at Games Workshop eons ago. Mm. Uh, and I went to what was then called a manager academy. I don't know if it's called that anymore. Um, but I went along and there was about maybe 12 of us and there was a guy mm-hmm. there and he was going over he was getting this training He was, I think he was an English guy if memory serves mm-hmm. um, and he was getting this training but he was actually going to manage a store in Japan wow um, which is, I think it was Japan I'm, mm-hmm. as I say it's a long time ago but I, I seem to remember it was something like that and yeah he was going over to and i was like oh do you speak the language and, and just i remember him going no <laughs> it's like what yep but fair enough i guess yeah best best of luck to you yeah <laughs> good luck with that yeah uh, i'm sure you'll be a great customer service uh professional yeah <laughs> well, so we got anyway. more news from games workshop mm. uh 
uh, although that's from the Guardian technically, but uh, is that the first time we've ever referenced the Guardian on this? Uh, I think it might be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're, co- we're going up in the world. I was going to say, we're classing it up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Normally we refer to, you know, like... Uh, websites. Yeah. <laughs> the just sun. websites. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were a tabloid podcast previously, <laughs> but now, now we're broadsheets, so there. Classing it up. Okay, so yeah. Games Workshop uh, have announced yesterday uh, that dragons are coming back to the mortal realms forever. Apparently, mm. uh, it's a broad, that's a very uh, confident statement. Uh, yes, <laughs> but okay. Uh, do you think you could sue them for like false advertising if they don't sell dragons in Age of Sigma? Uh, in the uh, future, no idea. I mean, you good. Good luck with you uh, if you want to take on that case, Tom. If if it ever passes. But... To be fair, I think Games Workshop are famously quite uh, legally strong, so I'm not sure they're they're an opponent that. They're also used to getting uh, be, being on the receiving end of wacky lawsuits as That's well. That's also so, true. Like, not so, that that idea was wacky, Tom. But how dare on. you, sir? My <laughs> my legal pedigree is top notch. Uh, yeah. So uh, they're bringing out two new dragon models. Now these aren't um, generic dragons like we've we've seen quite often before. Mm. Uh, these are two named character dragons. Yeah, uh, and they're they're drag. Draconith. So I don't know if there's a, a technical difference there because they do say the dragons or Draconith uh, are back. So is there, is, there, is there a little TM next to Draconith? There is, is that, not is a little it? TM. <laughs> See, that was my first thought. I was like, oh yes, legally distinct from normal dragons. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of that scene in uh, Austin Powers where the guy's like, it's Godzilla, we need to run away. <laughs> He's like, no, for legal reasons, it's not Godzilla. <laughs> Yes, it's very similar to Godzilla. We should run like it is Godzilla. Is that not the chap who plays Hero Nakamura? I think it is. Yeah, (laughs) random. Whatever happened to him? I'm sure he's doing something. Uh, You always find that like these these uh, actors tend to like if they disappear, they crop up in like you know some random US sitcom or drama that never really makes it across the sea. Uh, Okay, so. Uh, we will get to the point of this sooner or later. Uh, <laughs> Godzilla and uh, legal proceedings notwithstanding. So, mm. we've got... I'm going to try and pronounce this. Grondis, I think, is is the way it's pronounced. Grondis, yeah. Crondis. Crondis? Crondis. Crondis, son of Dracothian. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, he's quite cool. Uh, mm. Very sort of... I'd say sagely looking, but he's still, you know... He looks, looks like quite he... smug. Yeah. He looks like that guy who's just going, oh, yeah, I know that band. I liked them before they were cool. <laughs> <laughs> the hipster dragon. Yeah. You just give him a little trilby. Yeah. <laughs> like... So he's he's quite cool. Um, yeah. Looks like he's going to be quite magically uh, competent, uh, according mm-hmm. to the notes. Uh, he wears the Regalia Fulmentaris around his neck. A piece of armor that magnifies his substantial magical abilities. So that's Ooh, uh, that's nice. interesting. And on the the sort of uh, counterpoint to him, we've got Karazai the Scarred. Oh yeah, the gun with Karazai as yeah. well. I love these names. Uh, yeah. So Karazai is a bit a bit different. Um, so he has spent ages in the realm of beasts, uh, mm-hmm. and he's been kind of. Uh, twisted by it. Um, these, from the looks of it, are massive models as well. Um, 
Yeah, they really haven't catchy. really put in the photos. They haven't put a, like a regular sized infantry next to them just for scale purposes. But yeah. I'm I'm having a look at like sort of the decoration on their basing and the scenery that they've been posed next to, and yes, they look humongous. Yeah, and it, it looks like they are order aligned as well. Um, mm-hmm. They're sort of tied to Sigmar uh, and his forces. Uh, so that's that's nice that we're getting some monsters for for the order side because I know they yeah. tend to be a bit more chaosy, chaosy and destructiony mm-hmm. um, for the most part. So those are those are some nice uh, minis. What do you think of them in general, Josh? Fantastic, full of character. Um, like I say, I, I particularly like Crondis uh, because he does have that sort of smug look about him that I I expect a dragon to have. Like, because if you were a dragon, you'd be dead smug about it, right? So it's not intentional, but I'm on the opposite side. I think uh, Karazai is the is the cooler model. Yeah, so we'll post a link in the show notes so that you can check them out yourself. He's all, like, scarred up and beaten up, which is quite cool in its own right. Yeah, I just, I like his, I think his pose is a bit more dynamic, Mm. Um, although, although the poses are quite s- similar, actually, now I'm kind of looking at them. Um, I think it might be the same model. Just, I was uh, just about to say, I I wonder if this is the same plastic kit yeah. that you can you, that you use because the tails look very similar. The tails are similar. Yeah, the torsos that, are similar. That's what they've done. That's the same plastic kit, but you've got different parts. I think the fact that Karazai is kind of looking off in the direction that his wing is raised makes him mm. look a bit more dynamic to me um just looks like there's a bit more of a, an action pose whereas as you say uh Krondis just you know it looks like he's like mm, yes uh and he's he's just being a bit of a douche uh, <laughs> hey ho but yeah that's quite cool uh i'm interested to see uh how they actually shake out uh when they get yeah. rules and things yeah so again watch this space guys and we'll uh, uh we'll keep you up to date on that and I think on that note, it was a slightly shorter episode than normal. I think I've saved myself five minutes here, so that's that'll be worth it. So <laughs> anyway, as always, guys, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, take care. Bye.